I never try anything. I just do it. Like I don't beat clocks. Just people. Eat the talking! Oh. Minced. No, the music. Set up my spinning wheel, girls. I'll join the heron section in a minute. What do you mean by that, mate? He's always from New Zealand, and you never, I repeat, never call a Kiwi an Aussie. That is, unless you want to ask it. Bastard! Bastard! Where is my mother? Are you crazy? Where is she? Am I acting as if there's something wrong? God damn. I feel like a crime is about to be committed. This is the end of your rotten life, you motherfucking dope pusher. Welcome to Cine Sirens Episode 6. I am your host, Shelley Grant, cinephile, host of the BS Movies podcast, and host of this podcast. And I am joined by my co-host, Andrea Canales. Hey, I'm Andrea, and I am also, yes, fortunate to be on this podcast with my dear friend, Shelley. And I uh, have made the transition of the Majestic Theatres. I do programming and Fun stuff over there now. Yes. Since film bar is closed. Yes. R.I.P. <laughs> but as Andrea said, we are friends and we have varying knowledge of film, but like all of us, we have not seen everything. Mm-hmm. So the mission of this podcast is to challenge each other to watch a film the other hasn't seen. And then we are going to hold a discourse about what those films are and, um, what we thought of them. So for today, my pick for Andrea was a simple favor from 2018, directed by Paul Feig. And Andrea's pick for me was uh, the forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion. Very easy title to remember. <laughs> directed by Luciano Ercoli uh, from 1970. Yes. yes. But before we talk about today's films, uh, we do a little segment called Twat Twitching. And so, Andrea, what has your twat twitching here recently? <laughs> well, last night we were very privileged to watch the amazing Too Beautiful to Die from 1988 in a friend's backyard. But just in case they should start asking questions, you don't know anything. Got it? Especially about my party. You fool. You still worried about your little pimping games? Don't you realize that there's someone out there who's out to kill everyone who was at your house that night? Michelle? Hello? Michelle? Blaise Vinegar's syndrome for the beautiful presentation of They're this. They're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> doing the Lord's work. Uh, so uh, that was just so great. So many, so much lingerie, so much mm-hmm. high cut uh, panties and leg wear and pleats, 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 inflatable furniture, helmet collections, weird warehouse, studio apartment, loft apartments, mm-hmm. um, phantasm level, phantasm weaponry, we- weaponry, um, uh, fashion, fashion, 
lots of fashion. Fashion. <laughs> fashion. Uh, discount Anthony Perkins. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 Rip off of the Psycho soundtrack. Yeah, very much so. Yes. Sort of an ugly Alan Delon lookalike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the character of Alex. Yeah. Um, like if you sort of melted Alan Delon in the microwave, that's what this dude looked like. Yeah, because his face was a little distorted. <laughs> it was. It was. But he had those eyes that were very uh, similar to Alan's. But yes, it was uh, definitely definitely a film to gather your girlfriends around and watch because it's good for a laugh. It was super enjoyable. Really yeah, it was a lot of fun with everybody. I would not have enjoyed it anywhere as much without <laughs> being with the group and being able to just make snarky comments. And uh, there is a scene where somebody's playing a uh, a porno video game. Oh yes, like eight bit porno game <laughs> on a, on the Commodore sixty four. The Commodore sixty four. <laughs> the Commodore. Sorry. <laughs> Ayo. Ayo. Uh, which I'm like, yeah, we need to need to find that. It yes, was just ridiculous porno game super fun (laughs) and um another film that uh i've been wanting to see for a very long time madalena from 1971 Uh, most people will know it because ennio morricone does one of his most he does you know amazing scores but this one's very iconic um starring lisa gastoni and one seven movies have released it on blu-ray and it's very obscure kind of had to sit through i had to do it in two sessions uh but really really interesting film beautifully shot the cinematography very dreamlike um so for fans of obscure cinema i would definitely recommend tracking it down and uh lisa gastoni is phenomenal so uh she gives like 110 she turns it up to 11 in this film um and then i did take my children to see sing too and aren't you proud of me? I'm so, look at you going to a theater to see a, to a, a, a mainstream movie. movie. And, and I did not hate it. I actually really enjoyed it. Okay. It was like so charming. The characters are all really charming and the music's very catchy and it was very fun. So uh, if you have to sit through a kid's movie, I would recommend this thing too. Because <laughs> it was very nice. So yeah, if you have that. to. Yes. But uh, Shelly, what's got your old twat twitch? <laughs> well, I... Uh... I love two things in my, well, I love a lot of things, but I love movies and I love country music and my all-time favorite male country singer is George Strait. Um, and I got to go last weekend and see him live in Vegas. It had been five years since I had last seen him and he Too was long. playing the T-Mobile arena. So, and it was awesome as always. And, uh, very much, uh, like, uh, what pandemic there was <laughs> no, 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 not a mask in sight. <laughs> a lot of rednecks, a lot, a lot of, of people around. Cause it was also when we went, it was Super Bowl weekend. So okay. there were also just a lot of people in Vegas in general for yes. gambling. On, Bidding and gambling. On and the stuff. big game. I guess we shouldn't say the other one. The superb owl. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it was just awesome and a lot of fun. Did you throw your panties at the stage? I did not. Okay. But that is sort of the girliest I ever act is when, uh, when George, George is, is on stage singing. I get pretty rowdy. So. <laughs> <laughs> rowdy Shelly is I'm, the best. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty, usually hold it together pretty well for most things. But uh, yeah, I, I lose my mind a little bit. So it was... Uh, 
it was a lot of fun. Awesome. So, yes, <laughs> enjoyed that. So that definitely got uh, got the old twat twitching. <laughs> Excellent. But today we're going to be talking about again a simple favor and the forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion. Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to be talking about spoilers, so I would encourage you to go back and watch these films first, and then come back and hear our very in-depth. <laughs> Insightful. Insightful academic thoughts. Yes. Super academic. On these, epidemic. On these magnum opuses yes. of film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you're right, A Simple Favorite is a movie I would never watch. Like, never pick for myself, right? Yeah. And I remember when I saw this back in the theater, uh, when it originally came back, back in 2018. And I remembered thinking at the time, I'm like, I think Andrea would really enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Like the costuming oh, and yeah. the, the soundtrack and just the whole look of it just feels very, um, much like things you enjoy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so Andrea, I think you just watched the trailer and then you picked the forbidden photos. I did. Yeah. So I, I watched the trailer and I was like, you know what? I, I, I love giallo films, even though this is more of like a mellow, mellow drama, mellow, mellow giallo, mellow giallo, mellow giallo. And, um, and I thought, you know what, this might actually be kind of a nice compliment. And mm -hmm. then after watching a simple favor, mm -hmm. we, now we've both seen them both and mm -hmm. there's a lot of parallels which will lead to really fun discussion yeah I yeah I think yeah. they wound up pairing really nicely because mm -hmm. I re-watched a simple favor to prep my notes for this and then watched uh the forbidden photos and I'm like man there's a lot mm -hmm. of intersections and so it turns out to be a very nice double feature yes uh but the simple uh simple favor was directed in 2018 a few weeks ago I met Emily this wonderful, elegant person. Our sons brought us together, actually. Come here, little dude. Can me and Miles have a play date today? Do you drink? Does your kid drink? Maybe? I mean, it's never too early to start teaching. I think you're joking, but great. J'adore mon poisson rouge. Every time we do this, I feel so high tone. <laughs> Wanna trade confessions? No, no. Come on. What's the wildest thing you've ever done? She's an enigma, my wife. You can get closer. You can never quite reach her. She's like a beautiful ghost. Did you just take my picture? Erase it. I guess I'm probably not the kind of person you're normally friends with. Oh, you do not want to be friends with me. Trust me. Stephanie, I need your help. Uh, are you okay? I'm fine, but I, I do need just a, a simple favor. Can you come over? Yeah. Five days ago, Emily went missing. Released in 2018, directed by Paul Feig, who um, made like Bridesmaids and is a primarily oh, comedic okay. director. Um, he was involved in The Office and Parks and Rec. So a lot of uh, sort of mainstream American comedies. Uh, he was also responsible for the female Ghostbusters that came out in 2016. Oh, um, man, I didn't put. So he together. is, a, <laughs> a, a, you know, I do enjoy his stuff and he's very dapper. Like when you see him, he's always dressed in a full three piece suit mm. and, and he's just very funny and, and charming in interviews. Um, this was based on a novel by Darcy Bell um, and a screenplay written by Jessica Shazar. Um, and this movie stars 
Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Kendrick is Stephanie, a young widow who has a mommy vlog and a young son, Miles. And Lively is <clears throat> Emily, who is the glamorous enigma mm -hmm. mother in uh, and mother of Nikki, who is Miles's friends. And through the boys, Stephanie and Emily uh, become friendly. And so then the setup is, is that Emily asked Stephanie a simple favor to pick Nikki up after school uh, because she has a work emergency. She's this very glamorous PR executive mm -hmm. for a high fashion designer. Fashion. Fashion. And uh, Stephanie picks him up, but then Emily sort of goes missing and uh, discovers that there's more to her friends than she originally thought. Oh my God, you're such a nerd. <laughs> oh, fuck this, I need a real martini. This one's not real? Nope. Sean and I had the real thing at Dukes of London. The key, frozen gin, and a frozen glass. Here, move, bad martini. Okay, a little bit of vermouth. Swirl it around, dump. Don't you dare touch that washcloth. Then add in the gin. Mm. Cut your twist. Squeeze it outside out. Get a nice little mist. Lick the edges. Voila. And don't add fucking ice ever. We don't like ice anymore. That shit ruins everything. Tough day at work. <laughs> I just need to hit the reset button sometimes. Oh, cheers. Cheers. So before we dig into this more, Andrea, what were your um, initial thoughts on A Simple Favor? So I have a hard time, strangely, with Anna Kendrick. Sometimes I find her a bit twee and a bit <laughs> annoying. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, in the, and on purpose, in the beginning of the film, she is very twee. You know, mm -hmm. she's like the perky, does everything right, mm -hmm. you know, like bakes her son cookies and is signing up for way too many uh Jobs, jobs that, that volunteer for volunteering the classrooms. right yeah so she's that type of parent which the other parents kind of give her shit about i do love like the bitchy three moms <laughs> the bitchy that andrew three. rennells and um kelly mccormick and arpana narshala characters who just are sort of like oh my god she's signing up for this stuff so, again yeah <laughs> the teacher has to like tell her to, like, like, yeah teacher has to rein her in stuff. yeah so i found her a little bit uh difficult to digest at the beginning but it's on purpose, you know, mm -hmm. and so, but then once Lively enters, you know, um, like Lively enters her with her character, then the chemistry between the two of them and everything that ensues is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I loved it how dry some of the humor was. Mm -hmm. It's like there's a lot of humorous moments, like Blake Lively has some of the greatest lines, which reminds me of um, Dominique's character mm -hmm. in Forbidden Photos. Yes. They both yes. have like these kind of really snappy, uh, funny lines when they're talking to the diminutive other character in this mm -hmm. case, uh, Anna Kendrick and uh, Dagmar Lasanda. But um, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. The, the ending, which we'll talk about later, kind of like was a bit too much, I feel. Mm -hmm. But um, I did love the twists and turns and um, it was very entertaining, like really enjoyable. Yeah, I agree with that. I did think on second watch, I'm like, it gets a little long. Mm -hmm. I think it could have been edited a little more and just tightened up a bit. I yeah. feel like it kind of 
flounders sort of in the middle act, especially after mm-hmm. Emily goes missing and yes. Stephanie's trying to find her and just solve this mystery. It gets a little much and then kind of brings it back in that final act. But yeah. even the final act gets very <laughs> over the top and yes. fun. Um, but Blake Lively, like one of her lines is like, baby, if your head's going to wind up in a trash can, your head's going to wind up in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> She does. She has like, she's, um, I don't know who she's channeling for her character because she walks around with like a cane and she's just like so ridiculously stylish and um, blunt and she's, uh, she's amazing. So um, I I love the originality of, of her character, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and then seeing the direction that, um, Anna Kendrick's character takes as well, you know, like her evolution, you're like, okay, she's not this twee, innocent person that, <laughs> can I say it? Can yeah. I say what? Yeah, she's yeah. a brother fucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, when Blake Lively comes to a shit about that, brother fucker, brother fucker. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll let Shelly explain the context of that. Yes. And we will transition into more of that after a short break. Oh Don't. I brother This is good. <gasps> oh my god. I got a brother fucker taking care of my kid. Anything. Brother fucker. You know what? I don't know. It's these stupid martinis. Hey brother fucker, do you want to stay for dinner? I shouldn't have even said anything. Yeah, I do want to stay for dinner. That'd be lovely. I can't wait to see what you cook. You know what? I I'm gonna cook brother. you the best meal of your life and you're gonna feel really bad about being so mean right now all right so we're gonna get into the meat of a simple favor and so like i mentioned the the two women meet through their boys Mm -hmm. and the boys have play dates so that means the moms get to go back to um emily's just sort of glamorous over the top McMansion. Yes. Um, essentially. And have martinis and mm-hmm. talk while the boys are off doing whatever boys do. do. <laughs> <laughs> and so through this, they begin to uh, share secrets. And so this is where brother fucker comes in is that you find out that as Twee, as Anna Kendrick's character is presenting herself, mm-hmm. as Stephanie is presented, she has this dark secret that... Um, when her father passed away, she meets her at that point, half brother, who she did not know existed Mm -hmm. and sort of through their grief, they have an affair and Mm -hmm. she has sex with her half brother. So hence, uh, Emily's term brother fucker, (laughs) you're a brother fucker. (laughs) And she just loves taunting for sure. Um, And you find out that then Stephanie's husband uh, suspects that there was maybe an affair. He goes off with the half-brother to have a discussion there in a car wreck and both killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we know Stephanie is a widow, but doesn't really, you know, go into it much more than that. And she's just very young. So Mm -hmm. you kind of know at the beginning it's something very tragic. Um, and yeah, she has definitely sort of created this persona of, which I think is interesting, especially within our culture, you know, of 
the Instagram and, and mommy vlogs and stuff yes. and kind of presenting yourself to be sort of this very, this picture of per- perfection. Right. Yeah. Like right. she bakes, she cooks, she has everything, everything is together. She's all well put together. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. on the inside, she's a brother fucker. She's a brother fucker. Yeah. Right. Um, and so when Emily goes missing, uh, Stephanie just wants to figure out what happened to her friend. Like mm-hmm. she, kind of just solidly believes that her and Emily are are friends and is just very concerned. And Emily is married to Sean, played by the incredibly handsome Henry Golding, and uh, who was in Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And has been in some other stuff. Uh, I just know him from Crazy Rich Asians. I think he's done other sort of romantic comedies and... Uh, I believe he's in somewhere in the Marvel universe. <laughs> somewhere in that universe. <laughs> but I think everybody is at this point. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's true. If you're a working actor. Um, so when Stephanie is talking to Sean about, well, where can Emily be? He kind of implies that Emily has done this before. Mm-hmm. That she'll just, as soon as she's sure that Nikki, their son, is okay she will just disappear. Right. And he's never sure where she goes. And um, so he's just like, ah, she'll come back kind of thing. But but Stephanie's like, no, something's wrong. And right. Stephanie then begins to sort of unravel this mystery of Emily. And we learn that Emily has the habit of disappearing. We also learn that she has a twin sister but they were they were actually supposed to be triplets, but the the triplet died in the womb, and mm-hmm. her mother always blamed them for mm-hmm. killing for the killing. baby in utero, as you did. <laughs> and that and the parents named the three girls uh, Faith, Hope, and Charity. And so she does. Charity is the one that passed. Faith um, is out there and so hope emily was originally named hope Mm -hmm. and she does have and it's sort of unusual she does have a flame tattoo Mm -hmm. with the charity symbol on her wrist and stephanie asked her about that and she's like oh it's just one of my bad decisions but then you learn that um faith and emily had set fire to their family home right. and ran away mm-hmm. and then realized they were going to need to separate because people were looking, people were going to look girls. for these yeah. two twin blonde, beautiful girls. Mm-hmm. So they separate, agree to meet at another date. Faith doesn't show up. So then Emily just sort of recreates herself mm-hmm. into the life she has now. Um, but when she quote unquote disappears or runs away, it's because Faith has gotten in touch with her again mm-hmm. and is basically trying to bribe her yes. for um, helping her. And you learn that Faith, where Emily really made something of herself, mm-hmm. Faith has taken this very dark turn and become addicted to drugs right. and is just... Um, a bit of a mess. A mess. <laughs> um, which is kind of a fun interaction w- with Blake Lively and those dual roles that they really ugly up Blake Lively to be Faith. Yeah. Um, Because I think Blake Lively is just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And especially as this character who is 
again, putting on her own facade. Both women are right. very much putting on a facade in this film. Uh, her own facade of just this very gorgeous, put together kind of kick-ass yeah, woman. Professional executive. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then to see Blake and it's like, or not Blake, um, Faith, Faith. Mm-hmm. that you understand, even though they look alike, like you can see where life has been very hard. Right. On Faith. Um, and so Emily, in an effort to sort of protect this life she's created, um, kills Faith. Mm-hmm. And then makes it look like it was her. Right. She has a ring from her husband's mother that she, she puts stole. on. <laughs> that she stole. That she puts on Faith's body. And so it looks like Emily has once again disappeared. Right. And is dead. And Stephanie and Sean, through their grief, begin sort of a very melodramatic affair. Yes. Uh, which then draws suspicion of this kind of gossipy Connecticut town they're living in that it's like, Oh, she went missing. And like Stephanie very quickly shacks up with begins to acclimate and take over this life. Yes. Um, think for her own sense of security, like, cause she talks in the film about how she, um, is going to be running on money. Like her husband left her life insurance, but she really has no means. So I think she also sort of sees this as a way of like, okay, well I can, uh, I can hitch my wagon to this guy and I'll be secure and I'll have sort of this stuff. And so there's, there's a lot of layers to this. And so, uh, Stephanie who goes from brother fucker to husband fucker. (laughs) Um, but Emily can't quite stay away because she truly does love her son. Right. So she can't just run off. And so um, then you get into more twist as Stephanie really begins to delve into who is Emily. And like, there's a great scene um, between her when she goes and finds Emily's ex-lover Played by, (laughs) shoot, why, Linda Colarini. Colarini. Yeah. uh, Who had painted her naked. Like, there's this, like, when they first go to Emily's house. Full full beaver. Full, perfectly (laughs) shaped beaver of uh, Emily in the living room. Like, just taking up a whole wall. (laughs) Um, That you learn that Emily had been with this artist Mm -hmm. and had stolen the painting to to thinking like, oh, someday she'll be successful and I'll get a bunch of money out of this. Right. <laughs> um, so Stephanie, again, trying to unfold this mystery and, and that character is just like, well, her name's not Emily. I don't know why you keep calling her Emily. Right. This is so-and-so and, you know, learns that there's more to Emily that meets the eye that then leads to the truth of faith, hope, and charity. Um, and so then they decide to kind of set themselves up for what becomes the final act of, of the movie. And, uh, we get into sort of then these varying twists. Yes. <laughs> a little, gets muddy, a at little times. <laughs> muddy and, and convoluted and 
that's okay. <laughs> like so I said, so this is where I feel like it kind of loses me a bit. And mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, we could, could tighten it up. Um, and there are comparisons to like movies like Diabolique where, mm. you know, cause she even says, are you guys trying to Diabolique me? me? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, they, Stephanie and Emily meet at, um, Emily's grave and you hear, you know, they kind it kind of is this whole thing is revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an insurance lawyer because there's also like waiting for this $4 million insurance policy right. now that Emily is dead. Correct. Yeah. Um, so Stephanie and Sean plan, well, like, let's get Emily to confess to all these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she gets a gun, like it, it gets very <laughs> muddy. Like she gets a gun, she shoots Sean, Emily is like, I know you guys were going to do this. I've right. already, you know, she figured out she's con. like, I, I figured out your con. You think you're better than me kind of thing. And then it flips again. Yes. <laughs> that Stephanie has kind of set them both up and she's wearing like a little nanny cam right. on a button on her shirt and um, that she's live vlogging this whole thing. So Emily's confession truly does go out on the airwaves. Mm-hmm. So the police arrive and this is some of the funniest stuff Kendrick does in the movie. <laughs> like she runs out the police are chasing her down. Andrew Rannell's character, who's been one of the bitchy moms, he <laughs> hits her, hits Emily with his car. With the vehicle. You know, and he's like, don't fuck with the other moms. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Emily starts trying to crawl away to get to the police. Oh, and, and Stephanie is like, I'm really worried about your knees. Like, just get up. Yeah. Like, oh, sweetie, come on. As Blake Lively's like but just dragging like, herself just, across the Yeah, she's all asphalt. broken and yeah. bloody. And she's, you know, I'm really worried about your knees. Um, and so I think like that part is fun, as convoluted as right. it is. Like if you just give yourself over to it. And so I think, again, like I've said, my biggest critique is like, I feel like it gets a little long. I mean, it's still under two hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it could have tightened up. I agree. Yeah. Just a bit. Yeah. There's they're definitely, yeah. As you said, like in the, the second act, it kind of like, it's, it meanders a little bit. Mm-hmm. Although I do really enjoy the segments where, um, Kendrick is hunting down the mystery, you know, mm-hmm. where she goes to visit Emily's parents mm-hmm. and she has to kind of be creative about getting out of that situation. And mm-hmm. there's some fun stuff as she kind of gains more agency throughout the film mm-hmm. because she figures out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the relationship between her and Sean is, yeah, a little weird and cringy because she's aware, like she, she already knows that he's possibly cheating on her because he's, she sees him, she's spying on him one day at the college and mm-hmm. he sees her being flirtatious with one of the students or an admins or something. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of very obvious that there's some sort of relationship going on there. So right. It's a little, you know, like, but everyone it's, yeah, no one can be trusted in this film. Like everyone's got a secret. Everyone's got ulterior motives. Um, and I think, and, um, Anna Kendrick's, uh, character is the most 
I guess, earnest, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a way. But then you also have to look at Emily, you know, like um, her, it's alluded to that the father was, her father was very violent towards her and yes. her sister. And that's yes. why they took revenge. And so I guess the gentleman who is the old man living with her mother is like her stepfather? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay. Or yeah, just that's... like a groundskeeper or something. Oh, and that's not really. Okay. Yeah. That was a little unclear. <laughs> that was a slightly confusing. Um, I, I didn't know. I was like, what? Is that the dad? So, and then you learned that the, the father was killed in the arson. Um but yeah, I, I I think it's 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 really fun. Like it definitely the scenes between the two leads, you mm-hmm. know, are great. You know, like they do have some really fun chemistry when they're drinking martinis and they even like at a point get so kind of tipsy that they kiss each other mm-hmm. and there's some fun um like lively is just great antagonizing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's, you know, their chemistry is really good. And, um, something that Anna Kendrick said in the making of this movie is that Stephanie is wanting validation from this person mm, that mm-hmm. she's wanting validation from Emily. Cause she thinks Emily is just so glamorous. Right. And even the other moms sort of make fun of her. Um, again, going back to Darren, the Andrew Rannells character, when he when he's talking to his little girl, Lila, and he was yeah. like, she doesn't know she's working for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that she um, that Stephanie is essentially being used as the nanny. Correct. Right. But Stephanie thinks that they're friends mm-hmm. and everybody's sort of making fun of that. But that. Because Stephanie is such a lonely character because of the things she's went through. She's sort of willing to put up with Mm -hmm. some of this stuff. So I think in some level she knows, but then also sees this opportunity, which she kind of learns from Emily. Because there is the scene when she goes to Emily's job when she's trying to find Mm -hmm. out where she went. And Emily had said to her at one point, like, you just got to go at them. Like these sort of high-end, high-strung designers or whatever, you know, you just got to go right back at them. Right. And Stephanie remembers that. So she kind of goes back at this guy who's sort of... This obnoxious, arrogant designer. Yes. Yes. Very stereotypical. You know, (laughs) and so I think it it is interesting. And then it, it is, I do like movies like this that are sort of this candy colored package of suburban life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that then shows sort of these dark secrets and sort of the underbelly of, of suburban life and that everything's not as picture perfect as, as, um, is presented. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always think that's sort of an interesting exploration of seeing these sort of darker secrets and and sort of this very white suburban area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree. I really like the the chemistry between Kendrick and Lively. I think they're both really funny. I think Kendrick is really good at what you've called <laughs> twee. Uh-huh. I think she's really good at sort of that cute, quirky thing um, without being, in my opinion, super over the top. Right. I mean, it's not Zoe Deschanel level <laughs> of the quirkiness. That's a good comparison. Yeah. I, you I know, see what you mean. so I think... She's a little more restrained, reined in <laughs> reined than in. Zoe, who's like fully like leaning into the quirk. And then when you learn about her secret, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it definitely, 
Um, because yeah, as you said, like it calls into question, this was the timeline on this. I was a little fuzzy on, um, when she had the brother fucker moment, mm -hmm. she was not married at the time, was she? No. Okay. Well, and then that's the implication too, of why the husband's upset. Cause he's trying to figure out if he is Miles's father, father right. or if the brother is, is Miles's father. father. So yeah. Is it she fucked her brother and then had to kind of get married very quickly to right. sort of cover up this, this secret. So it kind of goes into how quickly she is willing to jump into bed with Sean mm -hmm. is, is just seeing these sort of opportunities, right. you know, to either cover something up or make a better life for herself. Um, I do love the scene at the beginning when they first go to Emily's house and Emily's playing that French pop mm -hmm. music through the speakers. And when she goes to get more gin for the martinis and Emily is like dancing Dancy, around in yeah. her little target <laughs> socks and mommy <laughs> jean skirt and stuff, you know, and, and then she gets caught and she's like, you know, very embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, come on, give me a little more. And so, you know, she's just, it's, it's very, um, girl crush mm -hmm. you know there's a a lesbian subtext to it right for sure uh but i think it's more stemming from sometimes as, as women the admiration we have for each other and right. the, the traits we see in other women that we want to enamor themselves yeah. within ourselves that i don't know I don't think they're necessarily sexual. It's, it's just, I really admire. And so you kind of get that girl crush on somebody else and try to be as like you, them. You want to be as cool as they are. <laughs> yes. yes. You want the, the amazing house and mm -hmm. the sexy relationship with your husband, with right. the husband and all right. of those things right. to drink a martini, to make a martini correctly, yes. you know, yes. <laughs> with the, right. the, the orange spritz or whatever. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So that is a simple favor. So I, like I said, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I thought you would. I knew, yes. I, I knew there would be some things you maybe wouldn't enjoy <laughs> as much, but I think as far as like the look of the film and just, like I said, the costuming, oh, the soundtrack, yeah. like those opening credits. Yes. The credits are, are so great. And it was such an interesting choice to go with the French pop music, you know, mm -hmm. which I love um, from the sixties, mm -hmm. like Serge Gainsbourg and, um, I think there was a, a Bardo song in there and it was really great. It was a really interesting choice. Um, I'm not sure what the motivation behind it was, but it definitely fit with the aesthetic of the film, especially with Blake Lively's character. You know, mm -hmm. she is this enigma. She's, um, so dresses, you know, in such a unique way and has so much, um, confidence in herself and just mm -hmm. doesn't really give a fuck about right. <laughs> other people's right. opinions. You right. Know? Which I think is interesting because I think that is a place, especially women you want to get to. Cause mm -hmm. like they have a great conversation early on where Stephanie just keeps saying, I'm sorry. Yes. And, and, she, and Emily even says it's a fucked up female habit. You got to knock that off. Right. And, and it is, and, it I, is. And, and I think, uh, you know, we as women tend to have to, we feel like we're supposed to say, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Instead of sometimes just saying no, like, right. I don't want to do that. It's, it's always like a no that we feel like we have to cushion with some kind of excuse yeah. or an apology. Um, so I think there's some fun 
things in here that have some things to say. It's far from a perfect film, but um, I, I would love to see these two together again in something. Yes. Great chemistry. Yeah. yeah. And I think they're both just really for as lovely as they are, especially Blake Lively. I think they do have really good comedic. Timing. Yes. Yeah. There's because uh, despite the dark nature of the content of the film, mm -hmm. it's peppered with these really funny comedic mm -hmm. Parts, mm -hmm. which really is kind of a fun you know like the tonal shifts are kind of fun like mm -hmm. I, I don't it, it doesn't detract from the film I don't think in any way I think right. it kind of adds to it you know like it's it's almost like a really dark dark black comedy yes in a way oh so, for sure yeah for sure which given that Feig is a primarily comedic director mm -hmm. it's nice to it, it, I'm glad he sort of took the risk to do this right. very dark comedy than sort of the slapstick over the top stuff yes. of like Bridesmaids mm -hmm. or um, Ghostbusters and some Although, of the other things he's done, which are fun too. When she gets creamed by the car, that's very slapstick. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so funny. Definitely uh, threw me off there. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. expecting No, that. and it's definitely like, you know, because he's like, because he makes the joke about the Prius too. Right. Like you never hear us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All oh, right. Well, stuff. Well, we're going to talk about uh, the forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion right after this. I've kept the negative of the prince. Why do you want to do this, Dominique? Don't let it worry you. You already have enough problems. Thank you. Thank you, Dominique. Sure, they're pure pornography, Commissioner. I do what I like when I'm at my place, don't you? It was such a great pleasure that now you're coming back to pay me. You pig! I met last week. He's real wild. But what if he sold to them? Be great. What publicity. <laughs> Undress. Better take her home. I'll see what I can find out. All right, brother fuckers. All right, we're back. <laughs> we're back. Talking about the forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion. Typically, very typical Jalo, long, descriptive title. <laughs> um, so this, kinda, you kind of know what you're getting into. You do. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it gives you a very good um, uh, overview of, of what you're in for, which is a film from 1970, directed by Luciano Ercoli and written by Ernesto Gastaldi, who wrote some of my most favorite films. <laughs> he, well, looking through his filmography, uh, he wrote the screenplay for Torso, The Case of the Bloody Irish, starring my queen, Edwidge Fennec. Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, also with Edwidge. Uh, All the Colors of the Dark, also with Edwidge. <laughs> Death Walks on High Heels, The Case of Scorpion Style. So, um, yes, very prolific. Uh, writer who actually initially he wanted to go into writing novels and 
you know, kind of realized quickly that that was not going to be lucrative and got into writing screenplays and just kept writing screenplays. So I'm glad that he went that direction because I really, really enjoy his work. Um, and it's starring the fabulous Dagmar Lasanda as Minou, which in French means pussycat or little kitty. So oh. it, it definitely fits her diminutive character mm -hmm. in the film. And her gal pal, um, Dominique, uh, played by Nieves, Nieves, Nieves <laughs> Navarro, who is credited as Susan Scott, who was actually the wife of the director at the time. Okay. So um, a little bit of information about the film. It also has a very labyrinth, labyrinthine uh, plot, mm -hmm. uh, like A Simple Favor. Uh, the wife of a financially struggling businessman is blackmailed by a mysterious man into having a sadistic relationship with him, or he will release damning evidence which suggests that her husband is a murderer. All right, I'm here. Okay, come on, do what you want. Come on, what's the matter? Isn't this what you asked for? What's wrong? Did you hear me? I said I was ready. No. Not like that, Minou. You have to beg me to plead for love. You have to long for me with passion. You must suffer and be my slave. <laughs> Undo your belt. And the uh, blackmailer in this film is uh, played really <laughs> viciously <laughs> mm -hmm. by Simon Andreau, Andreau mm -hmm. uh, who actually stars with Nieves in um, another film where it's actually really fun to see them because they're both kind of on the same team uh, for that film that is uh, Death Walks on High Heels, which is a lot of fun. So uh, also Arrow has put that out as well. Definitely we're checking out. But uh, Shelley, what did you think of The Forbidden Photos? It's a great title. <laughs> Good title. It is a great title. Like in Port Andrea, she must have told me like three or four times this was the movie I was going to watch. And I'm like, what's it called again? It's it's not easy to remember. And then it's, it's just finally lodged in there. Like it's going to be on my headstone. It's, it's, it's lodged into my brain. Now. Got it. Uh, I do like, um, and it, you know, it did like we already said, it paired very well with the simple favor. I really like sort of the gaslighting and yes. revenge angle of the film. I think the, the set design was great. The score, um, by Ennio Morcone, mm -hmm. of course, always wonderful. Um, but I really enjoyed the score to this. And um, I did get confused at times. And it, like we talked before we started, like I think this was on purpose that uh, Minu and Dominique look very similar. Right. Very and similar. And hair length and yes, frame, and color frame. and yeah. just how they present themselves. Um, and then Peter, her, uh, Minu's husband, and the blackmailer are also very yes. similar looking. Mm -hmm. So, it, and I know you'll get into that. So it, it um, you really have to to pay attention. Yes, uh, but I really. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. As, yeah, as you said, like the set design is stunning. And it begins with uh, Minou at, uh, I believe it's probably like a vacation home for her and Peter. Um, it's near the ocean. Mm -hmm. And um, 
just some of the, she's narrating, you just hear her narration over uh, as she's like bathing and getting dressed and gosh, some of the lines that she has are so funny. Like she's wearing this really cute little pink um, mm-hmm. outfit with uh, kind of like a corseted top. And she's like, Dominic's right. I really need to stop dressing like a housewife. She does not look <laughs> like a housewife at all. Like she looks like she's like ready to go to a nightclub. So, um, but you can see she absolutely like worships and adores her husband, Peter, who is this, uh, a businessman who is floundering a bit because his company owes a significant amount of money to an investor and things are getting a little bit dicey. You can tell he's definitely very stressed, but she's in this, their vacation home. It's really interesting. The decor has a lot of probably at the time, like modern art, but it has um, similar uh, items that you'll see later on in the film when she is visiting the blackmailers there, like kind of like hands just sticking out of a, mm-hmm. uh, or body parts, like different uh, art objects that are body parts, which I think is a really interesting uh, comment maybe on like the commodification of um, your body because essentially Minu kind of ends up selling herself to save her husband. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're introduced to the the two characters, Minu and and Peter, and um, but shortly, um, shortly after we first meet Minu, she has an encounter with the blackmailer, who uh, plants in her head that he has evidence that her husband is um, a murderer, has murdered the the investor, or has something to do with the death death of the investor that his company has been working with, and if she doesn't cooperate with this blackmailer that um he will send evidence to the police Mm -hmm. so she has to in the interest of preserving the good name of her husband she has to cooperate with this blackmailer so and then we are introduced to peter who kind of uh is very casual about her encounter with the sex Mm -hmm. fiend (laughs) yeah that was and we'll probably go into this a bit later but yeah that was very like he was like well you really didn't get hurt Right, yeah, you're not, you're fine. <laughs> what did he do? He just like cut one of your little strings yeah, like on your one of shirt. Little strings, and he was like, okay, you know, not getting like how traumatic yes. that is. Yes, <laughs> you know, because he's just sort of like, well, he really didn't hurt you, and it's like, well, no, but he psychologically yes. fucked with her, yeah, and she's pretty fragile, sensitive, and yes. fragile. Yes, yeah. As as soon as we are introduced to her we see that she has a reliance on tranquilizers and she talks about like, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop taking these tranquilizers, but that doesn't happen because she's getting tormented with the whole film. Mm-hmm. Poor me new. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. And the, that scene where Peter comes to her rescue after she has been assaulted by the blackmailer, um, we see the gaslighting begin mm-hmm. and he, he, he does go along with what she's, saying but he doesn't treat it with any sort of kind of urgency or he doesn't respond in the way a typical partner would respond in that situation right right no he's very like okay okay you you fragile frightened woman crazy psychotic woman (laughs) yeah yeah um and as the film kind of 
progresses, we meet Dominique. And this is one thing that I love about the film is the relationship between Dominique and Manu. Like Mm -hmm. Dominique is a former lover of uh, Manu's husband, Peter. They were together before um, Manu and Peter got together. But um, Dominique is kind of like like Lively's character in a little mm-hmm. bit of a way. She's ultra, ultra stylish, like very confident. She she has like this amazing line when they're sitting at um they're sitting at an outdoor cafe up on a terrace somewhere. It's really beautiful. And Dominique's like, oh, I would have adored to have been violated. Oh darling, relax. Is it still bothering you? Aren't you being a bit stupid about it? What I mean is, try to look on the bright side. Evidently, you must be bursting with sex appeal. But you did keep your honor, whatever that gets you. I'd have adored being violated. What else did he do? Uh, He sort of said that he knew something very bad about Peter. Oh, I hope you didn't take that. (laughs) (laughs) She's very um, sexually sex positive person. Like she, yes, she loves, she takes like, she has a photographer take naked photos of her Mm -hmm. and photographer take photos of her in various um, erotic situations. Mm -hmm. And at that point it's revealed to us that, um, because she's showing these to Minu, just you know, as you, as a friend, you know, as like, you oh, do. what do you think of this one? You know, like, there's yeah, a little I figured slide I'd do that after out. the episode. <laughs> I'd, I'd show you the. Have the, you got the, your slide machine? I've, I've got yeah, the erotic photos I had. Okay, recently taken your boudoir photos. Yeah, my boudoir <laughs> photos. Um, as Dominique is showing off her boudoir photos to Minu, um, and then she hands her some some four by sixes and Minu recognizes the blackmailer in mm-hmm. one of the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the photos and Dominique's reaction. Cause it doesn't mean anything to her at that time. Um, she's like, oh, she's going like, Oh, I didn't really think that much of that one. You can have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she gives her that photo. Yeah. And, um, so as the, the film progresses, like their friendship is, it's really kind of touching in a way because Dominique, they're both Dominique definitely kind of is that, cooler alluring Mm -hmm. figure that Minu kind of uh, wishes I think she could have that kind of confidence because Minu is very like fragile and she's very dependent on Peter like Mm -hmm. we don't really get any backstory at all about her to to explain why she's that way but um she's very she thinks she worries a lot about what he thinks. Like she even asks him like at one point, would you, would you still love me if I had been violated by the blackmailer mm-hmm. and, and all of these things. And it's like, girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. um, so as, as Shelley was talking about, as the film progresses, we, um, there's a lot of um, high fashion mm-hmm. and beautiful set pieces. And Minou and Dominique do have very similar uh, body frame and hair, hair styles. And at one point, um, you cut from the blackmailer and Minou to uh, Dominique and George, who is Peter's business associate, uh, making love. And it's a little jarring at first mm-hmm. because you think it's Minou um, mm-hmm. because she's already at that point had – um, a sexual encounter with the blackmailer. He's all about just torturing her. And it, for him, it's like a fun uh, bondage 
cat and yeah, mouse game. Definitely. Yeah. He yeah. just enjoys tormenting her. He has this cane with like a knife like on, a blade on, a blade it. Yeah, on yeah. it that he enjoys tormenting her with. Um, she offers him money, like a thousand dollars. I thought it was interesting. They chose to use American currency when yeah. it's so obviously not America. <laughs> it's right. like, it's really not America. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, he refuses it. He just laughs and throws the money up. Mm-hmm. And this is when uh, they're in her his lair, which mm-hmm. is very dark and mm-hmm. has these weird statues and figurines and, like, body parts, the hands on the wall. Right. Lots of shag. <laughs> lots, of, lots of shag carpeting and, like, bamboo-type curtains mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, so as part of his plan to extort um, Manu and kind of just further torment her. He says, you know, you must come to this place, my place at this time. And she complies and has a a sexual encounter with him and then is like completely distraught and goes Mm -hmm. to Dominique after who you know, is, is, has these great lines. And right. It's very, if your head's going to wind up in a trash it's, can, it's, it's going to wind up in a trash it's can. It's going to wind up in a trash yeah. can. No, she kind of has that similar yeah. kind of attitude, but she definitely does care about Minu, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and definitely wants to see her, doesn't want to see her in this situation. And, um, <laughs> the the story from there kind of is more encounters with the blackmailer who then goes to Minu, Minu and Peter's house, gets into the house and torments her with photos from their sexual tryst, you know, saying, mm-hmm. if you don't comply again, I'm going to show these photos to your husband. Um, and he even has like um, a recording of her husband, uh, essentially confessing that he did kill the investor. But then at some point it's revealed that he just made that up. He Mm -hmm. didn't, he didn't, uh, the, the recording is not authentic. He just mimicked Peter's voice. And, um, now Manu feels guilty for complying with his sexual deviancies in mm-hmm. order to protect her husband. And Dominique's like, no, you were just doing this to protect Peter. You shouldn't feel bad. Right. You know, but it goes back to like the, the character of Minu is so fragile and looking for approval and almost like Peter's like a father figure in a way at times. Well, and um, I don't know if I caught this, like according to Wikipedia, they're newly wed, right? That's that's the impression I got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then that makes sense that if she's married this older man. Older, wealthy businessman. Who then I don't want to upset. Right. You know, so. Because she lives a privileged life. She doesn't have to work. She has very glamorous clothes. She has an endless supply of blue eyeshadow. Yeah. (laughs) So much blue eyeshadow. So much blue eyeshadow. (laughs) Um, So she does have this certain lifestyle, which I'm sure she wants to maintain. Right. And um, in order to maintain that, yeah, that would uh, I guess, you know, <laughs> include not pissing off your husband. <laughs> um, and so in an interesting turn of events, like Dominique, Dominique is kind of like the voice of reason, even though she's very, uh, blunt about stuff at times. She's like, mm-hmm. you just need to tell Peter what's going on. Like right. you need to tell him. And so they do. And they, he's 
very angry and mm-hmm. uh, upset at Minu for complying with this blackmailer. Um, kind of, he's been a bit of a dick about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was oh, just Peter doing is it. a bit of a dick. Peter's a bit of a dick. Um, <laughs> and so. Um, Manu gets to a point where she kind of essentially has like a little bit of a, a mental breakdown and, um, and is takes a shower and a t- nightgown, takes a shower and a nightgown as you do. Cause you get really, really stressed out. You don't even want to take your <laughs> nightgown off. Take your nightgown off. <laughs> you just like and jump just, right in there. Stand in the shower and sob. <laughs> and, sob. <laughs> and, um, they have a little turtle that roams around their house yeah. and, and comes up at, in opportune times. Uh, but essentially Peter has to go to a, a business meeting and Minu is left in the house, allowing the blackmailer to make another attempt to, to, um, ravage her. Uh, but at this point, Peter comes home and, um, and catches the blackmailer in the act and is able to kill her, kill him. But then he doesn't realize that Minu is still alive, mm-hmm. <laughs> of which she was supposed to be dead, because it turns out that Peter has been scheming the whole time. This was all like a plan of his to get, yeah, what a, to get uh, insurance money to basically mm-hmm. drive Minu mad so that she would either be killed or commit suicide so that he could get the insurance money, uh, which is ties us back to a simple favor, mm-hmm. <laughs> which also it's always has, about the insurance. Money. It's always about the insurance insurance money um but then it has an amazing ending where uh dominique kind of the police come in and they stop peter shoot him and dominique comes in and she's actually the one that tipped off the police saving minu um because prior to that there's a scene where um minu uh remembers that she still has the photo mm-hmm. the, uh, that Dominique gave her that has the blackmailer in it. And, she, but at that time, Dominique plays off, like she never gave it to her. Like mm-hmm. Manu is just acting crazy. And you're like, what's going on? She's been such an ally to Minu this whole time. Mm-hmm. Why is she doing this? And you find out that she does that. So to save Minu, because if she had have revealed at that point that she had that, then Peter would have figured it out. Right. So, um, so she does her friend a major solid and, mm-hmm. and, and saves her. And they, and, and it has this like really happy ending where Dominique, um, is chatting with the police, uh, constable and, uh, spots one of the, uh, men working at the scene of the crime. And she's like, and he offers, you know, would you like a ride home? You must be like tired after all this. And she's picks, picks out one of the guys in the room that she would like to, be taken home by <laughs> and so she's I just love her she just has like so when it, she just says no fucks yeah no, gives no fucks about anything she's just like here I am I want to take these sexy photos I want that man to take me home like she's just right. got so much agency mm-hmm. and she's just so classy and amazing um so they do that and then it ends with her menu um driving off to have like gal pal adventures and these amazing uh very brightly colored dresses looking amazing and glamorous so it's got a really like cheeky kind of happy ending yes. after this whole film of Minu being tor- <laughs> tormented <laughs> and tortured throughout the uh whole film um 
there's no no really good men in the film except George. I think he's the the colleague of Peter that uh, Dominique is having a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems like a decent guy. <laughs> he yeah. like kind of explains to Manu uh, at one point how Peter's just really stressed out. There's a lot of financial stuff going on and um, kind of tries to put that in context. But aside from that, yeah, Peter and the blackmailer are really <laughs> wicked characters. <laughs> but it does. It, it's, it's a really interesting film that looks at, yeah, definitely like a very prevalent theme of gaslighting mm-hmm. uh, because Minu is constantly kind of uh, seeing the blackmailer and then it's like when someone turns around, of course, he's not there. So she's made to look like this fragile not psychotic, but mentally unstable woman, you know, and she has this dependency on the the tranquilizers. So it's like this really interesting kind of commentary. But then on the flip side of that, you have Dominique, who's kind of like her total opposite, mm-hmm. you know, like she has tons of agency. She's very sexually, you know, active and positive. And um, she, at the interesting part that I thought they interesting that they wrote in that she was with Peter prior to that. So she has this background about him and how much he loves money and Mm -hmm. how he would do anything to, Mm -hmm. to get money. So, but I really, for me, I really enjoy the relationship between the the two women. Like Mm I, I enjoy their, um, their scenes together and, um, how they kind of like, support each other and journey, you know, throughout the film. Uh, what did you think, Shelley? No, I like, like that. And, and I like, um, when I was looking at Wikipedia, they talked about that this is a recurring theme of the nightmare of being threatened by one's own sexual partner. Mm, uh-huh. And I think that is interesting because I think this gets explored a lot in film that, that there's sometimes, I think between men and women, almost, um, a mistrust Mm -hmm. and and like you see that in relationships of like you you know and and women deal with that you know of like well does he really love me or is Mm. he just trying to have sex with me Mm -hmm. or you know so what are the motivations and then when you find um a partner that truly does love you that really is your partner you know there's security in that and then but there is these movies sort of explore right you know but what if you know, what if it's just this long con, right? You know? Which it was, right? Um, yeah, it's this right. long con and right. Yeah. And so, yeah. So the relationship between the two women is interesting because is it that Dominique recognizes that Minu is somewhat fragile right? and Dominique does know Peter. Mm-hmm. So is it, she's likes this woman and is trying to sort of help her in a way. So like, right. so there is a little bit of the protection there. Um, We've mentioned some of the costuming. I, I love that. Um, Minu at one point wears like a mint green mm. dress with like a white overlay that mm-hmm. I think is really beautiful. Dominique has a black dress when she's making love with George uh-huh. that is just sort of goes over her head and is like open sides. Open sides, yeah. Just are held together <laughs> by these little like uh, chains. Yeah, yeah, chains, yeah. And... Um, I think, you know, like I I mentioned, that menace of the first attack, I feel like is really challenging 
to watch, especially when you get to Peter's sort of indifference to it all. Complete indifference. Yeah. Like, you know, because the way it's filmed, it is scary. Or at least for, for me as a woman watching that, that is terrifying, even though... (laughs) you know as peter points out it's like well he really didn't do anything to you but it's just i think the menace of it is what is so scary because the blackmail is so intense and it's Mm -hmm. yeah it's and it's by the ocean there's like Mm -hmm. no one around Mm -hmm. he has this weapon he has a Mm -hmm. motorbike like she's completely disadvantaged in this situation but but then i think it speaks to sometimes men not understanding how scary it is at times to be a woman Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i've even discussed this with my husband who is an incredibly supportive partner but like I've watched him go to the gas station and like, then after he's done, like he leaves the truck wide open mm. and he's like putting things away. And I'm like, really? Like right. as soon as I'm done at a gas station, it's like, I've slammed the door. I've locked everything, right. you know, I'm like, and he was like, and he's even said, he goes, I no, I never think about that right. because he doesn't, because he's a man, he just doesn't think of that as being a dangerous or potentially dangerous situation. Right. You know, of just sort of being vulnerable where you've got your car doors open and you're no. flinging around your wallet and throwing change. <laughs> you know? um, so, yeah, I think that kind of speaks to that in a very general sense. Yes. You know, even though Peter is a dick, also just sort of maybe a misunderstanding that we as women need to point out to men like, no, this is. You know, yeah. like as a woman, you need to understand, like, yeah, there's a reason why if it's night and I'm walking to my car, I have my keys already in my hand. Right. I'm not fumbling at the door to, to get inside, you know. Um, so I think it does explore those male female differences in a really mm-hmm. interesting way. I thought a lot about um, Anna Biller's Viva during this. Oh. Do you do you know if this was an influence on her at all? Oh, my gosh. You know what? I did not even correlate those, but I could definitely see that. Like just the, yeah. the trope of the bored, the bored housewife. housewife. Yeah. Um, because I think there's a part of Manu, even though she's trying to, you know, she's doing this to protect her husband. There is a bit of this, this tantalizing seduction mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. it by the, um, the blackmailer who. Right is a good looking man does look very similar to her husband right you know and it's implied that she sort of the the bored housewife trope is very right. much implied in this of, of there there is sort of a purpose even though she has this extreme guilt about it and so it just made me think of that's really interesting um yeah viva and some other definitely movies sort of, of, of like that yeah no I could definitely see that yeah exactly because she is she's she doesn't have to work you know she mm-hmm. is just a lady of leisure you know mm-hmm. she can just hang out and go to the nightclub and do all those types of things but mm-hmm. yeah you're you're right that's real yeah exactly is there a level of um as Dominic said, you know, she would have adored to have been violated. Manu won't go that far, but is there some sort right. of like slight, well, you know, is it, right? Because Peter, just given how his character is, I, I'm assuming Peter is not a very generous lover. Right. So <laughs> it's fairly wooden. He's, and not he's, in like the good he's <laughs> getting his and then it's done. So right. I, I think Dominique not understanding she's more than just that. Right. Vessel. Uh-huh. And so by having sort of this inner dangerous interplay, foreplay right. sort of 
thing does it turn her on to make her realize, well, maybe there's a bit more to this. Right. But then being the quote unquote sort of good girl, mm-hmm. she's not going to tell that to her husband where Dominique clearly is very open is about very that. empowered <laughs> yeah, to her empowered. own um, sexual nature and what she wants and, and clearly makes that sort of known to mm-hmm. her partners, um, I think is the implication all through the movie that yeah. Dominique definitely. I love that point. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, that is, that is forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion. For those of you who, the, I have the Blue Underground DVD, but Arrow has done a mm-hmm. Blu-ray of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so And it's streaming on it's Arrow streaming. video oh, cool. player. Okay. So if you awesome. have the Arrow service, which is um, definitely worth it. Yes. You just shared me the login for that. And I haven't logged in yet, but oh. I'm like, I, I'm sure once I get on there, there'll be so it's, much. It's got some great <laughs> stuff on there. Well, awesome. Should we go to our Marvelous Muffin and Wiener segment? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, for a simple favor, you get some side boob action. Oh, yeah. Like Life Lively. And boob. then, of course, the giant naked portrait of her and her perfectly shaped beaver. <laughs> it's like a, tri- a perfect triangle. It was. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it was a painting, but also yes. I just kind of believe it. Like, oh, yeah, it is just that perfect triangle, perfect triangle of perfect pubic hair. Um. So that's what we get in that. And then in Forbidden Photos, um, we definitely see Neves uh, uh, Navarro, Dominique's character. We see mm-hmm. the, the photos of her mm-hmm. um, and definitely some, when she's making love with George, I don't recall. I think the film's very discreet kind of in certain ways. It is. Of- For a giallo, it's pretty... Even as kinky as it is, right. it's, it's a lot of implied kinkiness. Uh, yes. is not a lot of overt Overtly. sexual. But you do get some boobs. Yeah, definitely yeah, some get, boobs. Yeah, because no you wieners. No wieners. Oh, my fun. Lots of... Oh, well, maybe, yes, in the photos, yeah. Lots of 70s hairy men, though. Yes. <laughs> hairy of, dudes. Lots of, lots of chest hair. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to end with our uh, twat tinklers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll recommend some movies sort of in a similar theme to this. So do you have any tinglers you want to bring up? You know what? For my tinglers, I just went through all the stuff that I'm looking forward to seeing on physical media that relates <laughs> not to this at all. Okay. <laughs> so I'll just go through real quick if you want. Sure. Um, I'm excited to see that the appointment is coming to Blu-ray because mm-hmm. uh, Shelly and I mm-hmm. checked that out on a, upon a recommendation for, it was on pure cinema mm-hmm. and both really interesting films. So it'll be nice yes. to see it cleaned up on Blu-ray. Yes. Um, and then I'm very excited to see Thriller, A Cruel Picture, getting a restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love Christina Lindberg. Uh, more Doris Wishman is coming on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to, is that something weird? Or Agfa? Or is it Vinegar Syndrome? <laughs> I'm like getting them all confused. I, think I, it I don't might remember. Be um, I'm always happy and excited to see more Doris Wishman. Um, the Farmer, which was also another mention on mm-hmm. uh, Pure Cinema podcast, I'm I've never seen and I'm intrigued to. And then uh, Rogue Cops and Racketeers is a double feature coming out from Arrow. 
with two films from Enzo G. Castellari featuring my favorite Fabio Testi, The Big Racket, and The Heroin Busters. So I'm super psyched. There's just like an infinite amount of coolness <laughs> coming out on physical media. Um, I have to like bookmark everything and I can't afford to get everything but try and uh, be selective <laughs> but that's second that, job that's what I'm excited <laughs> for so how about you Shelley well for my uh, twat tinglers I just wanted to bring up a couple of films that are sort of in a similar vein of a simple favor and the forbidden photos of a lady the ladies above <laughs> those ladies those ladies the forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion um Diabolique mm. from 1955 which so is good. definitely um a heavily borrowed premise, especially in a simple favor of a wife and a mistress of a school principal who planned to murder him and kind of have a perfect alibi set up. It's just a wonderful French film from mm-hmm. 1955. Uh, Belle de Jour, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite French films starring Catherine Deneuve and Jean Sorel, who is one of the great loves of my life. <laughs> um from 1967, uh, again, playing into the board housewife, Catherine Deneuve, um, is very frigid and is married to Jean Sorel. And so they have sort of a complicated relationship where he really loves her, but she just isn't very turned on by him. Mm, but then mm-hmm. she discovers a brothel in her neighborhood and then begins to explore um some more, just more of her kink Mm -hmm. and outside of, uh, the very vanilla sexual life her husband is giving to her. Mm. Um, and she does have the film open. She does have, um, these sexual fantasies, like in the opening of the film, she, they're on a, she's imagining her and her husband are on a carriage ride and the guys that are, running the carriage, like pull over and tie her up and begin to whip her and strip mm. off her clothes. Mm-hmm. And she is very turned on, by this, by but that. then doesn't know how to communicate that to her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she's beginning to try to sort of explore that side of herself. Um, and then finally Lars von Trier, who is a filmmaker I really like, but his stuff is always very depressing. So if you really <laughs> Want to bum yourself out um, about a woman having sex? Oh boy! To help save her husband, <laughs> uh, I do recommend 1996's Breaking the Waves mm. with um, Emily Watson and Stellan Skarsgård. And Emily Watson just will break your heart in this movie. She's so oh, she's so innocent, but believes that she's doing these things to save her husband, and that it's like God's will for mm-hmm. her to do that. So it's a I thought you were going to go with Nymphomaniac. I do love Nymphomaniac, <laughs> too. But she's not really doing anything in there to save her Yeah, husband. I mean, <laughs> Nympho- just... Nymphomaniac, I think, is definitely one of the best representations of female sexuality yeah. on film. But this one in sort of Minu's quest to save her husband and mm. doing, mm-hmm. um, having to have sex with people she doesn't want to. This is very similar in Breaking the Waves. It's just much more depressing. Oh, man. <laughs> So if you want to get bummed out, <laughs> you want to, yeah, about, yeah, 
just watch any Von Trier movie if you want to just be bummed out. <laughs> Good call on that, Shelly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us again for episode six of Cine Sirens. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like us, leave a review, and subscribe. Thank you, Monty. And thank you, Monty, <laughs> our producer. Yay. See you next time. I never try anything. I just do it. Like, I don't beat clocks. Just people. Eat the cookie! Most. Lord of mercy. Set up my spinning wheel, girls. I'll join the heron section in a minute. What do you mean by that, mate? He's always from New Zealand. And you never, I repeat, never call a kiwi an Aussie. That is, unless you want to ask it. Where is my mother? Are you crazy? Where is she? Am I acting as if there's something wrong? God, damn! I feel like a crime is about to be committed. This is the end of your rotten life, you motherfucking dope pusher.